All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. Pause of Friday and Sports 1440 and Orders Nation uh, YouTube. How you doing? Jason Greger, Connor Halley with you. It is a uh, game day. Of course, the show always presented by PlayAlberta.ca, where uh, you can get in the game, have some fun. If you haven't tried it, use the promo code SPORTS50. First time, you get a free $50 wager. Maybe you're just waiting for the Super Bowl. That's what's enticed you to get in. You love the prop bets. You want to know what the color of the Gatorade's going to be. You want to just go on the coin flip, which, when you think about it, that might be your best odds ever, because you got a 50% chance. Right? There's only two outcomes. Heads or tails. So... There you go. See which one you like. PlayAlberta.ca. As uh, we welcome to the show, of course, uh, former Olympic champion. Well, I guess you're never former. You're always an Olympic champion. You're never former. It's just uh, you're an Olympic champion. You're always an Olympic champion. And uh, she is the uh, co-host with Kevin Carries on Monday mornings here on Sports 1440. Lorianne Munzer joins us. Lorianne, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? I am uh, I am great. Um, I, I know you, you read the Specs article on uh, Jack Campbell, and you know he talked about his life coach. But I, I want to get to a few things about that. Uh, the comments from Campbell. The one quote he says: "If you watch the games, you watch me the last couple of weeks. It's not a skill thing. It's the six inches between my ears. It's clicked. It's not perfect, but it's clicked." You know, he's talked about how he hired a life coach of a few months ago. Well, actually, last summer, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, Jack Campbell had a history of of always probably being too hard on himself. Like every loss, he would take onus for it in in the media was always even if even if he didn't play poor it's like well i gotta play better right and so mm-hmm. i can understand it to a point but eventually it's like you always tell yourself stuff that comes to fruition so when you hear an athlete say you know what hey it's not my skill set it it's between my ears 
they obviously clearly know what their issue is, right? Which I'm, I'm guessing is kind of the first step. Mm-hmm. Well, the mental part is is always the the most important part, and it's going to be the game breaker or the game maker. And I like it how he says it's clicked. So I think obviously he's realizing something. And it's true as an athlete. Now, I'm just going to speak from my perspective is when I was racing and it wasn't there. Good God, your performance was abysmal. And then it does click. There is no halfway, Jason, on this from mm-hmm. what I've what I've seen, what I've learned when I've talked to other Olympians and other athletes. And it's just it's one of those things. It is the thing that you can see, you can feel and you know it. And when you know it, you're on fire. And when you don't have it, that's when you're sunk. And it's like you're trying to do everything to right the ship. So it's obviously not that easy to just say, well, I know I don't have it, so let's get it back. Right. So when you don't have it, because I'm sure sometimes it can be a gradual one. You don't have it maybe for a week. And then all of a sudden, oh, now I'm doing well again. Ooh, now it's gone. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a little bit of a yo-yo. And then maybe like in a case of Campbell, it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper and now the the string's never coming back up right yeah. it's just kind of hanging low so what are the like it, it there's no quick fix do you think like historically do you think it can be like when it gets that bad or because a, a one-week drought has to be different than a six-week drought mm-hmm. right so is there ways to acknowledge it before it gets to the bottom of the yo-yo. You maybe like the str- it's coming down, but before you just well, now there's no string left in the yo-yo. Like the only way to go is up. Exactly. Right? So how do you how do you stop it before you get to the bottom of the yo-yo? You step outside of the yo-yo. Literally. And I think that's the most important is take a step back, get out of the ring and go press pause. Like literally press pause because you can literally stop the train wreck going worse. But you got to step out, remove yourself from the situation or the environment. And I believe you have to do a complete reset. And you go back to, we've talked about this before, the basics. What are Jack Campbell's basics? What are my basics? What are your basics? And you have to figure that out. But you also need somebody to help guide, support, and challenge you along that. Because you're going to not see everything. You're going to say, well, I'm doing this, and you may be doing something completely different. I mean, that's why we've got the video replays, right? Just do all the 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 watching of, of, of the performances. But then you also have to go inside the head and go, okay, are you showing up as the NHL champion, or are you just showing up as rec league, right? And, and it's something that we call self-image. Everybody has a self-image. There's also times when you're going to hit that ceiling of your self-image. And for me to move on to that next level at the Olympics, I had to become Olympic champion before I got to Athens. And I set it up hit and miss sometimes early on in the season, but I showed up at the World Cups as Olympic champion. There was stuff that worked. There was stuff that failed. So then after each event, after each game, you have to go and go, what worked? What didn't work? What do I need to shift, change, or totally get rid of? Or do I need to bring in something new? On race day or game day, you never change. You never, ever change anything because you have that ritual. It's not a superstition, but on game day, it's not time to try a new stick, try a new set of skates. Everything needs to be done and set up beforehand, and that's part of the training and the preparation. But then it, it's also that part of... How do you want to feel? 
How do you want to feel when you're just getting peppered and hammered with the shots and, ah, shoot, one just went in. What are you going to do to reset your frame of mind? Because if you don't reset it and you don't reset it quick, that train is going south. Yeah. And I think, and it was funny because Ken Holland in Speck's article mentioned, you know, the mistake he made was they sent him down on a Tuesday and said, hey, go play right away. I thought that was a great thing because it does make a difference. You're on that train going south and guess what happens? You're making the same mistake versus pause, get out of the cars, go do something different and maybe watch from the bleachers or watch from the press box. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's what Toronto did with Samsonov. They sent him down. He didn't play, and then they recalled him back up. It was only nine days, but it, it mm-hmm. seemed to work. Um, you know, because Campbell, if you look at his first four games in the minors, they were not good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at it since then, it's been a, and it's been a progression of getting better. And I know some will say, "Hey, it's the American League," and I understand that, right? It's the American League, it's not the NHL. But uh, Picker got called up because of what he did in the American League. And Campbell's doing the exact same thing. He's actually done it for more games now. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious. It, you know, he talked about being in a really good space. Uh, he hired a life coach. Uh, you know, we got texts wondering, is a life coach different than a mental health coach? Like, are they all the same, different title? Is there a significant difference here? I'm going to say probably yes. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly. Like, if you're going to a psychologist, you're going to a life coach. I don't really know what they do. Um, it all depends on what, what it is that you want, right? Are, are you looking at how to balance everything holistic or are you looking at just one area? If I'm working with people and athletes, I'm looking at it from a mental aspect. So it first starts with your thinking between your ears. This is what I do. And from there, it trickles on to everything else. If you're just looking at, well, how do I run my business strategy? Okay, that's great. But what are you thinking as you're setting up? What are you thinking about in the meetings? What are you thinking? What are you actually executing on? Because that, that's that's what we see in, in athletics is it comes down to the game. You don't necessarily see what happens outside of, okay, we go watch them practice on ice. There's a whole other things that they're doing. There's a whole other things that Jack is going to be doing behind the scenes that nobody is going to see. And that's for him to set up for success so that when it comes game time, he can be the best ever. Like that night, he can't go back. He can't go forward. It's just right now. Lorianne uh, Munzer joins us. And, you know, for, for athletes, because you mentioned how that, you know, they got to recognize it. Um, I don't know how many athletes, I'm guessing most don't understand it right away. Can someone else help the athlete? Because we got a few. Um, my son is uh, is seventeen. He's a pretty good athlete, but he really seems to struggle with his self belief. How can I recommend? Because I've said, hey, maybe you should go talk to somebody. He doesn't want to do it. So how ultimately it comes down to the athlete. You can't hold someone's hand and kind of lead him to the to the office and say, here, go talk to someone. Can you? Or is, no, you like, can't. How can no. you encourage an athlete who maybe needs this? To see that it's going to be a benefit. It's not like I'm, I'm still always a little perplexed by people are so scared to go talk to someone. Like there's there's no there's very rare that a negative is going to come from it. It all depends on how it's presented because I know that when I I had hit a wall and I was just I was done. I was cooked. I was hurt, and I just did not have the the head in the game. And I had the opportunity to talk to a man. This was when I lived in Quebec, who was an expert in this, and I couldn't even afford to take him out for lunch. And I didn't go. Hmm. And I tell you, 
Jason, if it was presented in a different way, hey, have a conversation. Because, because it, it all depends on what the athlete needs and where their head is in the game or out of the game or in life or not in life or doing really well. And a lot of times is we have to ask the athlete, what do you need? What do you want? And if you could switch it in a heartbeat, how do you want to roll it out? Because yeah. sometimes you don't even see the opportunity and it's right there in front of you, right under your nose. It's a phone call away and it's like, here, I was worried about, because I, ha- I didn't have a job. I didn't have any money. Like I was broke. I was so broke. And I'm going... I wonder what that conversation would have been like if I would have said, you know what, I would love to see you. I don't have any money. Um, I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'm not really sure, and I don't think that this would be a great idea or that I'm going to benefit. But then that's where they have the opportunity to come over and say, do you think maybe you would get one idea from a conversation like this or maybe two? Or let's talk about what do you want to do? Do you need a break? Great. Let's set up a road plan. Because the thing with athletes is – it's a little different than, I'm just going to say the public, and forgive me for saying that, but as athletes, they're better when you give them a plan and you go, here, here's the roadmap of what we're going to do. And it seems to right the ship really quick. When you don't have a plan, you're hooped. Because it's like, well, what am I doing? I don't know. And we get lost. I, I know that I've, I've been lost a couple times. I've quit, and then I'm like, now what? I have to go find a job. I have to move cities from Montreal to Toronto. What am I going to do? But if I would have had a plan or somebody to sit down and get a starting point and make it so simple that it fits on a post-it note or one sheet of paper. And I know that sounds really funny, but it's it's not complicated. And it's like, you know what? I could do the first thing on the list. Then I could do number two and I could do number three. Then I call you. Hey, let's do that again. But we also have the accountability too. That's the other thing. Now, you, you mentioned about like daily routines. Can there get a point where you're overthinking and there's too many? Oh, God, absolutely. Yeah. So how do you absolutely. know that there's too many? Like <laughs> When your head starts going sideways, you start procrastinating, you start doing other things, you're not getting prepared and set up like you, you do. Like even, even right now, I've had a challenge posed to me. I think I'm on day number 14, and I am so digging it. When I work for lawyers, I don't know if you know lawyers, but they bill in six-minute increments. So it's 0.1, six minutes, 0.2, and so on. When I was working for them, I actually started tracking my time because I knew that I worked for everybody. I was going to be asked, okay, where are you spending your time? So I was able to provide the sheets of of like who I worked for, what I yeah. did. My challenge right now that has just, boom, taken off like crazy is I am tracking from the time I get up to the time I go to bed every day. What am I doing? In I your t- life today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is day number 14. And I tell you, I am rocketing it. It's so good. And I just went, wow, I used to do this for five years when I worked in a law firm. And it was crazy. It was only when I was at work. Now I've gone a little extreme, but it's fun. And I'm just going, I can feel myself going down the rabbit hill of social media, or I'm just sitting going, oh, what am I working on? I should be maybe preparing for an event or creating some new material. And it just helps so now you're, me are, get Are you on talking track. during like your work day? But are you tracking I'm talking like from it- 4.45 a.m. when I get up. I do my morning routine. I was on a call from 6 till 7. Um, I cleaned the house. It's Friday. That's part of my ritual. I time trial it. 8 o'clock, I had a client call. Uh, what did I do at 9 o'clock? I had a couple things that I was doing. Um, 
11 o'clock, I went to get my hair cut. I came back. I had lunch, uh, prep for the show here. Uh, oh, we have an event tomorrow, my spin social. So I sent out the email with all the stuff we were doing. Hopped in my car, and then here I am. And then you write it all down as you do it? I do it as I do it, because otherwise I won't remember it. Yeah. And uh, and how did you find that benefits you? Oh, my God. My head's in the game. I'm on track. I'm going, am I working towards what it is that I said I was going to do? Have I done what I'm going to do? Yeah. So you hold yourself accountable in a yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. And for me, it's, it's, it's the easiest way for me to hold me accountable. And what did I do? And do you remember the first time I met you? was on my book tour, 2006. Yes. I came to the radio station. Yes. You interviewed me. Mm-hmm. Do you know how I wrote my book? I went back to my training diaries. And I had it all detailed out. Really? For 18 years. Mm-hmm. Greatest interview I've ever done. Oh, that's nice. That was a nice thing that you wrote in your well, book. Thank you. But uh, um, it's interesting. Now, do you put in, like, did you put a limit on things? Say, okay, I only want to do this for so long per day. Like... Scroll on social media, for instance. Yep, so absolutely. You, do you set yourself a timeline for it? I do. It's called the Ivy Lee Six. So Ivy Lee was a production um, guru way back in the early 1900s. Um, you write out the six most important items that you have to do. You do this the night before. So I set up last night what I was going to do today. Okay. And then you put them in order, one through six. So you start on number one. And you only work on number one. You don't go, oh, number four looks really good. I think I'll go and do that. You know, I'm going to make calls for an event I've got. No, you stick on number one. And you finish number one or until you get to a point where maybe I need more information and it takes a day to hear back. Then you go on to number two. Only when you're finished number two, then do you go on to number three. If by the end of the day you've only gotten one done or two done, I would reevaluate what was on my list. What can I do? What can I delay? What can I delete? Or, I don't know, defer to next week? Or did I really even need to do it? So that's number 5D. Hmm. And then you set it up because it takes the emotion out of it. I'm going, you know, um, Mondays I'm here with Kevin. Tuesday I'm at the gym. Wednesday morning I'm at the gym. Thursday morning I'm at the gym. Friday I'm at the house. Saturday morning I'm teaching spin. Sunday morning we go to the gym. So I know exactly where I am, and it's all leading towards the bigger picture of of my goals, of what I'm doing. And in athletics, when you don't have that goal or you've been sent down to the minors or you're off injured, I believe you still need that roadmap. And it's a modified roadmap of what are you doing? Where are you going? How are you spending your days? And it's such a game changer. It's a little extreme, but... That's the way my mind operates. We talked about... Yeah, because it's not going to work for everybody, right? God, no. But you have to figure out what it is that lights you up and do more of it. And then when you do the hard stuff or the things that you don't want to do, it makes doing that really easy. Boom, you do those first and then you go play or you go do the fun stuff. Uh, Laurieann Munzer. Uh, interesting. Everybody find, you got to find out what works for you because what works for Laurieann might not work for Jason or work for Connor or uh, any of the listeners. So yeah. as always, Laurieann, we appreciate it. Have yourself a great weekend. And you as well. Thanks, Jason. Uh, quick break. Uh, we'll return. We got uh, more on the uh, orders. We'll hear from uh, Chris Knobloch. Is he going to go with three new defense pairings? We'll find out. The Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 328 Pause of Friday continues on Sports 1440. 
Hey guys, as someone with ADHD and was a pro athlete, being able to have routine in a daily schedule is something I took for granted playing pro. So writing down routine and what I've accomplished each day can keep me from hyper fixating on a random issue that comes up when I dive in without being accountable to the other priorities. So what the doctor uh, uh, just said definitely resonates with me from uh, Randy. Randy. Well, just to point out, Lorianne's not a doctor. We just she wouldn't want us to uh, falsely uh, claim <laughs> uh, what she is, but um, she obviously has done a lot of studying and uh, you know works on the uh, the mental approach uh, to the game. So, uh, yeah, we just don't want to, uh, I don't want any of our doctors. They get really sad when, uh, Strutty's claimed, uh, he was on his way to being a doctor because of one, uh, one science class <laughs> at the, uh, what is it? Caribou River College. I don't even know what it's called. Oh, <laughs> so funny. Some of the docs would get really fired up about that one <laughs> of the Rockies or something too. Is it? Oh, yeah, I don't even know what it is. Yeah. It's like, a, it's almost like it sounds like a fake, uh, made up college. Uh, I think they've changed the name actually now, but uh, still, uh, uh, good times, good times. Let's get to the uh, NFL report uh, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, where the rates never change. If all of a sudden tonight, tomorrow on the weekend, your furnace conks out, you need some heat in your house, well, guess what? Call Legacy, no overtime charges. That's how you build a legacy at LegacyHeating.ca. A, and we are just about, ooh, 48 hours and a half. Maybe 49 hours from uh, kickoff for Super Bowl 58. The Chiefs and the 49ers. Uh, Jared Dubin joins us from uh, CBS Sports. And uh, Jared, we're, as we're getting closer now, we're, we're kind of seeing the, you know, the, the injuries, obviously a big one on the D-line uh, for the Chiefs. It doesn't look like Journey's uh, uh, going to go on the O-line uh, for the Chiefs. Uh, injuries are a factor, no question, but so is so is rest and, and health. And it was brought up, uh, we talked to somebody in Casey the other day, how you know this is the healthiest Kelsey's been all year long. Uh, we've seen it in the last month, uh, the difference he's made. When you look at at this defense of the 49ers, how do you, do you think they're capable of slowing down Kelsey? I mean, I think it's one of the most capable in the league of slowing down an elite tight end. You know, they have Fred Warner, who is probably the best linebacker in football, and they have Dre Greenlaw, who is a guy who, like, would be in that conversation if he didn't play on Fred Warner's team. So, you know, as far as covering passes over the middle of the field, they have two of the best. There's a reason that, you know, they've been able to handle that area of the field so well over the last few years. But the thing about Kelsey is you can line him up anywhere. You can match him up with anyone. You can still beat him. Look what he did to Kyle Hamilton in the AFC title game. I mean, that guy hadn't given up, you know, more than 50 yards to a tight end all season or a touchdown to a tight end all season. And Kelsey did both of those things against him. I mean, he's just a weapon that you can't stop him you know you got to just devote as much attention to him as you can and hope that you get that you're able to force Mahomes to go elsewhere with the ball and try to make them move the ball with somebody else okay uh Pacheco in the run game the one area the 49ers defense has struggles against the run right and I know people like to have some fun because it is a funny running style with Pacheco but like, do you expect <laughs> them to just really hammer the rock here against this 49ers defense or like what do you expect from this Chiefs offense because the one thing that they've proven over time is when you think you you expect what they're going to do they come up with a different game plan yeah I don't know if I expect them to just come out and be super run heavy that's not who they are as a team, like they want the ball to be in Mahomes' hands. But I do think that they're going to try to get Pacheco moving downhill. Like I think especially we saw in these last two games against Detroit and Green Bay, 
if you attack the perimeter of the 49ers defensive line, they're not as good against the run as they are up the middle. Being able to get something going on the edges, try to break a few tackles, break a big play here and there, I think that's the kind of thing that they could get going. If you're trying to run right up the middle against them, though, where they've got Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave and then those two linebackers in the middle of the field, too, I don't think that's the way to attack them on the ground. You want to try to get something going to the edges of the defense and see if they can you know, not hold contain out there. From a 49er perspective... Right, uh, everybody was like, "Oh, geez, wasn't a great first half against Detroit," but then they really took over in the second half. And I, we all know that Detroit mm-hmm. maybe should have uh, kicked a field goal at one time or another. But uh, you know, that was really kind of the only time that the Forty ers had that lackluster of a first half. Right? Like, are we are we putting too much emphasis on the bad first half and, and overlooking all the good they've done all year? Because you could argue the Forty ers have been the best and most consistent team from start to finish this year. Yeah, I mean, I think we probably are. You know, it's it's recency bias. There's a reason that it plays in for everybody. Like, they have been, like, the way that they played for the other 18 and a half games that they played throughout this season is more than likely more representative of the kind of team they are than the way they played in the first half of the NFC title NFC title game. Like, we've we've seen how good a team they are throughout the entire season. And it was a very uncharacteristic half that they had. You know, they had turnovers. They had a defense that was not really able to get a stop. And then once they got rolling downhill, they looked a lot like the team that they were for pretty much the entire year. That doesn't mean that they're going to come out and, you know, blow the doors off the Chiefs, but we shouldn't expect them to, you know, fall down by three or four scores in the first half either. Yeah. No, that's fair. Do you see that, like, and I love offense, so I hope I'm wrong, but I kind of see this game being a little bit uh, of a defensive battle. Where do you come out on it? Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think both of these defenses are very good. I think the one way that it could be the other way is if the 49ers just can't get pressure on Mahomes at all. If he's able to sit back there like he has been for the most part through the first three playoff games for the Chiefs, I think that gets you know very dicey for that 49ers defense very quickly because the strength of their defense is up front with the exception of Traverius Ward on the back end. The weaknesses are more in the secondary for them. So if they can't get pressure, if their defensive line can't control the game up front, then I think Kansas City is going to have, you know, not necessarily an easy time moving the ball, but an easier time. And this Kansas City defense, I mean, it might be the best defense that, that San Francisco has faced all year. I mean, it's them or the Ravens defense that sort of shut them down earlier in the year, too. And uh, it's just really tough to move the ball on them. They've already faced three really good offenses in the postseason and helped those teams to, you know, almost nothing. Yeah, well, and then the other thing is, against the Ravens, the Chiefs offense had five consecutive series where they punted, and then they took a knee on the last one to end the game. Right, like, and their defense still held them in by basically their offense doing nothing for that long a time. Right, against the guy who just won the MVP. Now, the overall Ravens offense, I don't think is dangerous as the 49ers offense, but you know that's now. And the Ravens defense, I think, is better than the 49ers defense. But that really didn't get talked about enough about how you know the Chiefs offense did not like their defense won them the AFC championship. Do you think their defense can win them the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, I think their defense has pretty much gotten them here through this playoff run. I mean, they they shut down, you know, Tua and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell and Raheem Mostert and Devon Achan and that that whole group. Then they held Josh Allen down, and then they held the the MVP down. Like they've done it three games in a row in the playoffs. They did it 
all throughout the regular season and kept that team, you know, among the best in the AFC, despite the fact the offense didn't give the type of performance that we've gotten used to seeing from, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid teams over the year. Like, I would not put it past them at all to be the unit that leads them. And even if the Chiefs don't score, you know, 30 points or whatever, they could absolutely still win the game because of how that how good that defense is. Yeah, and so what what is your one game breaker that you feel is necessary for either team to win? Like, what's the one thing that one of these teams for for KC first, let's start there, and then San Fran, that the area you feel they have to succeed at to win? I think it's actually, it's the same thing. Like, the offensive line for Kansas City has to keep Mahomes well-protected, and the defensive line for San Francisco has to make it so that he's, like, running for his life like he was in the Super Bowl against the Bucks, and just does not have time to go anywhere, to go anywhere with the ball and isn't able to, to make plays outside of structure or scramble either. Like, that, that's the battleground of the game that's most important to me. One last one uh, for you. Any awards last night for the uh, NFL stand out to you as surprising? I mean, I was pretty surprised that DeMar Hamlin didn't win Comeback Player of the Year. I mean... I thought if he made it onto the field at all this season, which he did, then mm-hmm. it was like a slam dunk that he was going to win. Um, you know, Joe Flacco came back from being on the Jets and being old, I guess. But, you know, good for him. <laughs> but I, I really thought that DeMar Hamlin would win no matter what. It, it was That was a little surprising to me, uh, to be honest. Right, But, but other than that, like Lamar Jackson... Uh, now, I saw some people put out stats from Dak Prescott to Lamar Jackson and looking at games played and yards and total touchdowns and everything else, and it said, hey, he he, he matched up fairly well. Uh, wh- what would you make about the, the MVP race? Did they get it right? Yeah, I had Lamar um, when we did our poll at CBS as well. I think you can make reasonable arguments for multiple guys. It wasn't a season that I think had like a slam dunk, obvious candidate and I think a lot of that is because the traditional candidates that we view as the guys that are going to be in the mix every year like your you know Mahomes and Josh Allen's didn't have their best season um and I think Lamar's had as good an argument as anybody you know some of the reason that he didn't have the traditional counting stats of some other guys was because you know you look at it like Jalen Hurts had all these rushing touchdowns because he gets the touch push and much and whatnot if Lamar Jackson had, you know, eight more rushing touchdowns instead of them giving Gus Edwards the one-yard rushing touchdowns, maybe might have felt maybe people might have felt differently about the way you know his his counting stats looked. But he was obviously unbelievable throughout the entire season, and then especially toward the end of the season as they really took over the AFC and kept off knocking, kept on knocking off contender after contender. And in those games, he was really really good as well. Like he, he performed at a level I think that was representative of an MVP season, if not necessarily like, you know, where Mahomes was last year or maybe maybe even where Lamar himself was during his first MVP season. It's just the competition was not I, – I don't think that the, the highest level of play was reached from most of the best candidates this year. So even though Lamar wasn't as good as he was in his first MVP season, I think there was a pretty good argument for him to be it this year. Awesome stuff. Who are you picking, Jarrett? Well, I picked Chiefs over the 49ers before the season, and uh, they, neither one of those teams has given me much of a reason to budge off that, so that's what I'm, what I'm sticking with. Yeah, both the teams in the final. Wow. You ever hit on that before? <laughs> no, uh, I, th- 
I don't think I hit both before. Yeah. I've hit, you know, one or the other. You know, I picked the Chiefs to win last year, but I also picked them to win over the 49ers last year. So, Well, uh, hey, we'll see if the Chiefs can go back-to-back and uh, have their third title in five seasons. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl, Jared. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. There you go. There's uh, Jared Dubbin from uh, CBS Sports. Uh, who do you got? Honestly, I don't feel confident about a pick either way. I'm still picking the Chiefs, but I don't feel overly like, wow, I think it's like an obvious pick. Sometimes there's a Super Bowl where you're like, hey, I think that team's winning for sure. Like, I thought the Chiefs were winning last year. I, I was much more comfortable that they were going to win last season. The the 49ers, man, like, they got a lot of weapons. And they've been good. And Christian McCaffrey at any point can just go off. I look at I look at Purdy and... He doesn't make many mistakes. Considering how young he is early in his career, has he had like maybe one game cons? Maybe two where you would say, geez, he kind of hurt himself there. Like he just, he rarely makes the mistake that's going to cost you a game. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think he's obviously, he, he thinks the game very well. He can make those throws, but I just think that, you know, Kyle Shanahan, that offense, they, they do what they can to make sure he doesn't have to go out there and, and necessarily carry the team on his back. Get the hands of the playmakers, get it to McCaffrey, get it to Debo, let him do the, the work after the catch occasionally. Yeah. They'll take their shots downfield to Brandon Ayuk. I mean, he's an NFL quarterback. He can make those throws. But when you talk about it, just scrolling through the game log very quickly here. People are going to remember the game against Baltimore where they fell 33-19. He had four interceptions. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to get into a shootout, right? And that might be a problem going up against the Kansas City Chiefs with that defense as well. But yeah, Gregor, for the most part throughout this season, he, he's had a couple games that were, you know, not necessarily as strong as they went on the three, three game losing skid to the Bengals, Vikings and Browns where he wasn't at his best, but he responded really nicely in the next few weeks there. Had a great game against the Philadelphia Eagles, which at that point we thought the Eagles were almost a slam dunk to get into the Super Bowl. So yeah, he, he's really something. And considering what he was, a Mr. Irrelevant, it's a story that, you know, people who want to slander him being a game manager. I'm trying to be more optimistic, Gregor. Like, this is one of the best stories in the NFL. A guy who's got his team to the Super Bowl, uh, seventh round pick. It's, it's really interesting. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think the best thing they can do is just keep it simple. Establish the run, keep Mahomes off the field, get Debo involved early and, you know, pick your spots and, and hope you don't miss. Cause you go back to that first Super Bowl when these two teams met. Uh, if Jimmy G can hit, was it Debo Samuel deep downfield? Like he had a shot where he overthrew him. The Niners probably win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just got to make those throws when you get those opportunities. Quick break. Uh, we'll return on Sports 1440 Orders Nation YouTube. It's the uh, Pause of Friday edition of the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 348, how are you? Welcome back. Jason Gregor, Connor Halley. With you on Sports 1440 Orders Nation uh, YouTube. Hey guys, you think uh, Boldy would help the top six right now? Really, that who cares if Boldy would help? That that has that's irrelevant to trading Philip Broberg, Robbie. Especially, I was the one. Boldy was the guy who said I would have drafted at the time, and my arguing was because defensemen take longer, and the orders needed top six players quicker. But that doesn't mean well, Boldy would help them now, so the orders should just give up on Broberg and throw him in for a rental. Doesn't make any sense. It's an irrelevant point. Matt Boldy's not here. He's not going to be here. Philip Broberg's here, so we focus on Philip Broberg. Giving Philip Broberg away for a rental who doesn't have multiple years on the contract 
would be horrible asset management from where I sit. Point blank. It doesn't matter who else they could have drafted. That has nothing to do with it. Nothing. So. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, boys, uh, what about Reese the Lion in Philly? Nah, I don't see why the orders would, uh, would take him. I don't, I don't see him being an upgrade on any of the defensemen that they have. Especially... Um, uh, you know, he would be the third highest defenseman in Edmonton. Like, no, I don't see uh, any reason the orders would have interest in uh, in him. None at all. I, I don't think his. I haven't seen his name anywhere. That doesn't mean that, that he might not get moved by someone, but I don't see why the orders would have interest. I've uh, doesn't make any sense financially. And I don't think he's better than what they have. So I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't do it. Coming up uh, after 4 o'clock, uh, Craig Button will uh, join us. Uh, also have uh, Speck, uh, Low Tide, uh, Wanye's World. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Chris Knobloch. Now, Chris Knobloch, this is the first time he's never really committed to what he's going to do. He's pretty much been an open book on the lineup for the orders. He talked about, hey, Corey Perry, why is he playing with Kane and, and uh, Dry Saddle? Well, and he uh, astutely pointed out that uh, the entire team, including McDavid and Dry have struggled to produce when McDavid and Drysaddle haven't been on the ice together, right? Because uh, they factored in on uh, the last eight goals for the Orders when they're on the ice. Shorthanded, power play, five on five. So they've done their part, but when they're separated, even third, neither one of their lines is producing. Now, granted, they only played one game uh, apart, so that's somewhat misleading. All right, but the point is, without those two on the ice lately, they haven't scored. So he's going to switch it up. He's going to put Perry... And I think he switches it up in that, like, I don't think Fogel going down with McLeod and Holloway doesn't mean that that line, like that third line, like look at the matchup tonight against the Anaheim Ducks third line. So you would have that trio going up against uh, Isaac uh, Lundestrom, uh, Jakob Silverberg, and Max Jones. Now, Max Jones did score two goals in the one game against the Orders earlier this year. 
But can Holloway, McLeod, and Fogel handle that line? You would think they should be able to. I, I don't... Like, Anaheim doesn't really have a dominant top line. They have a rookie in Leo Carlson as their number one center. He hasn't played either of the matchups against the Oilers. I'm sure he'll be fired up to play against McDavid or Drysaddle. And he's a really good player. But it's a tough matchup. And then you got Bo Gruel, who is now their second line center with Vetrano and Terry. So Carlson and Gruel against McDavid and Drysaddle, come on, I think advantage Edmonton at the uh, first two center ice positions. Uh, Lundestrom, I like him as a young player too, but McLeod, Fogel, Holloway, I like that line. So I, I think there's, sometimes you switch it up in the hopes that it gets two lines going. Right? Fogel and McLeod have had good chemistry before, so they go back together. I don't see it. But the one thing he wouldn't commit today, and really the first time since he's been hired, is he didn't want to say for sure what his D pairs are going to be. He said we haven't made the decision. Now, do I believe that? Eh, probably not, if I'm being honest, of knowing coaches. Right? I think they know. They tell the players. They tell a goalie when he starts. That's why he told us yesterday who was starting. Right, and it's not a real surprise to anybody. I think we all knew Pickard was going to start, and then you'll have uh, Skinner start against uh, against LA, right? So uh, away you go. But he didn't commit to the three D pairs he ran in practice yesterday as being the ones. Now, if we look at just what he's done in practice before, usually what he runs in practice, he'll run in a game. So I think there's a good chance, but there's also a chance we might only see two of those pairs. Maybe Bouchard and Ekholm stay together. Maybe he just did it for one practice, which I, f- I would find odd. You only had one practice this week, and you're going to do it and then not run those deep pairs? To me, that would be a little odd. But so I think we'll see at least two of them. We might even see three. The, uh, the Now, maybe I'm just being selfish because I'd like to see the DeHarnay nurse pair. I'm, I'm curious on uh, what DeHarnay will bring uh, in a few more minutes. So that's uh, that's kind of where I sit on that. Uh, let's get to the ski report now, brought to you by our good friends at Snow Valley. This is the Sports 1440 Ski Report. Your ski report for Friday, February 9th, brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Start your skiing journey at snowvalley.ca. The slopes should be busy this weekend with mild temperatures and fresh snow, making for some of the best conditions we've seen so far this season. It's also International Ski Patrol Day on Saturday, so thank a patroller when you get the chance. Or take part in related activities taking place at Louise and several other resorts this weekend and be part of a global patrol day event. Good conditions at Lake Louise with three centimeters overnight and 19 in the last seven days. Elsewhere in Banff, Norquay is having a good week with another five centimeters overnight to go on top of 30 plus that fell in the past week. Sunshine Village, four centimeters in the last day and 23 over the past week. West to Jasper, Marmot Basin looking good as well with 7 centimeters in the last 24 hours and 25 in the last 5 days. Nakiska has 5 centimeters overnight and their gold chair is closed today for maintenance. 10 centimeters overnight at Castle Mountain, Fernie is issuing a powder alert with 20 centimeters in the last 24 hours. Rebel Soak and Kicking Horse both with a couple centimeters in the last couple days. At Twatna, north of the city, an Alberta freestyle event will have some select runs closed this weekend, but the rest of the hill and the cross-country trails are in full operation. The Birkbiner, one of Canada's biggest cross-country ski events, is not taking place this weekend as snow conditions just didn't permit it. But on the upside, all those trails of the Cooking Lake Blackfoot system are open for public use this weekend, although coverage is marginal in places. That is your Snow Valley Ski Report. Ooh, that's always a great race, too. That's unfortunate. Uh, 
Nothing going on. Uh, it's a good track for the uh, Birkenheimer. Tough race, too. So unfortunate for uh, all of you ski enthusiasts. Uh, we'll take a top of the hour Sports Center update, and then we will have uh, Wanya Gretzka. Craig Button will be by. Lots of talk with uh, Butts, both uh, NHL and uh, Junior. Although I, I know most of the older fans don't uh, care about the draft right now. Might not even have a first rounder. Who knows? Although I will say this about Ken Holland. I don't envision him trading away a first rounder for a pure rental. I think if he gives away a first rounder, it would like to be someone with term. I'd, I'd be surprised. Not impossible. I would just be surprised based on his track record. He'd much rather do it for uh, for somebody with term, which makes way more sense. Right? And I'm telling you, Nick Dowd is a guy I think who would command a first round selection. And he has this year and he has another year at 1.3 mil. And then you could still resign him after that. Might end up being multi years. But if you to me, I would always shy away from giving away a first rounder for a guy who's gonna play, you know, best case scenario four months for you. Because as we all know, there's no guarantees in the NHL playoffs. So let's get to the comments. Sports fourteen forty. Update brought to you by Fountain Tire. You know what's guaranteed. You go to Fountain Tire, you're gonna get great service. Whether it's for tire, tire rotation, or you have any mechanical issues, they have a top notch mechanics to help you get your vehicle back on the road. Book your appointment today at fountaintire.com.